heard about a program in at Champlain College. Uh, so I live in Vermont. Champlain College is right in my backyard, and there's the Cooper Writers Center for Appreciative Inquiry. And so I learned about this methodology and really this philosophy of appreciative inquiry, and I was really fascinated by that. It was very refreshing, really a giving me a lot of hope because the focus in with appreciative inquiry is really to to move away from traditional problem solving approaches and focusing on what works so focusing on successes and skills values welcome to rejuvenating with dr ron kaiser this is a podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today tomorrow and every other day I am your host, Ron Kaiser, positive health psychologist and coach, also author of the triple award-winning book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, also a keynote and TEDx speaker, and obviously the host of this podcast. As listeners of the podcast know, uh, my goal is always to bring you guests who lead their own lives with enthusiasm and have different ways of helping us to become better versions of ourselves. And we try and bring that message to you from different angles. Today, we're uh, really starting with a, a totally different angle than anything we've done before. Uh, Alexandra Arnold is a member of the Climate Coaching Alliance and graduate from uh, Climate Change Coaches Training Program. Uh, and she's also uh, an accredited personal development and climate resilience coach um, at, her, uh, at her coaching program called Alma Coaching and Consulting. Um, I really got interested in having Alex appear uh, as a guest because in recent months, uh, I've started to experience a phenomenon that I hadn't really experienced much before, and that's people uh, talking to me about the anxiety they're having about climate change, about where it's going to lead, what the world is going to be like, what kind of a world we're we'll leaving for our children and grandchildren and so on. Um, not anything that I had in my training, so I wanted to get somebody who can talk to this because I'm sure if I'm hearing it, other people are hearing it too. Um, Alex, in addition to all this, is uh, also executive consultant for the Taos Institute, a nonprofit educational organization dedicated to promoting relational, collaborative, and appreciative practices across disciplines and around the world. In her free time, she volunteers at a therapeutic horse farm and she enjoys the beautiful and quiet outdoors in Vermont. Although in recent weeks, uh, I think some of that outdoor quiet has been disturbed by by climate, uh, but we'll hear a little more about that. In the meantime, uh, I'd like to welcome Alex to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser podcast. It's a real pleasure to welcome you and looking forward to our conversation. Hi, thank you. Thank you. It's really my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Sure. Uh, 
I think the first thing is because I, I have a certain amount of ignorance in this area, among others, but uh, uh, climate coaching was sort of a, a new thing for me to hear about. And uh, I'm wondering, how, how did you find the discipline and how did you get interested in, in climate coaching? Yes, thank you. So it's fairly new to me as well, I have to admit. And um, and maybe I'll say a few words about coaching or how I even got into the field of coaching. So um, I was studying organizational development and psychology, and uh, that was a second career for me. I was in the travel industry for, for about a decade. And um, through this program and word of mouth, I heard about a program in Cham at Champlain College. Uh, so I live in Vermont. Champlain College is right in my backyard. And there's the Cooper Writers Center for Appreciative Inquiry. And uh, so I learned about this methodology and really this philosophy of appreciative inquiry. And I was really fascinated by that. It was very refreshing, really a giving me a lot of hope because the focus in with appreciative inquiry is really to to move away from traditional problem solving approaches and focusing on what works so focusing on successes and skills values and i thought it was um really practical it helped me a lot in my professional life my personal life in a time of big transitions and so that started to um, bring out this interest in working one-on-one -on -one with people. So I learned about coaching. I became a, an accredited coach with um, the um, International Coaching Federation and did a program that was really rooted in positive psychology and, and, and strength-based approaches. And so coaching is really about facilitating change and and supporting people in raising awareness and getting clarity in, in what they want and and helping them take steps towards what uh, those goals and visions that they have and um so that was from a professional perspective at the same time personally i was i've always been a nature lover always loved to be outdoors um and, and seeing how things are changing, of course, being more and more aware of climate change, but also really overwhelmed by it until um, I had a little bit of a light bulb moment when where those two worlds kind of came together. So I was at a point where I was feeling really helpless and didn't know how to take action, what to do about all these emotions that are coming up about the climate change. And um, it was an event by, by celebrating the book of Jane Goodall, the book of hope, that was really a new uh, experience for me because it, it was an online summit and attending that summit, I realized how supportive it was. So instead of feeling shamed or pressured into taking more action or um, doing things that I didn't feel comfortable doing, like being an activist, and, and, and I consider myself an introvert, so there are lots of um, more stereotypical climate actions that didn't really fit um, for me. And that made me realize that I didn't have to be someone I wasn't. I could really go back to my strengths and my values and what I do best. And I realized that by that coaching could be one of these skills that I contribute to the cause of climate. So long story short, I put those two together and 
of course, through conversation, talking to different people about both of these interests, I realized that climate coaching was actually a field <laughs> on its own. So I discovered the Climate Coaching Alliance, became a member, and then uh, joined the specific coach training program for uh, climate change. And um, that's where I'm at today. So putting those two together. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting. But what... Uh... What specifically does a, a climate change coach do that's that's different? I mean, I know a lot of us have heard or actually are coaches, but uh, what what is specialized in, in the way that a uh, climate change coach works or climate coach works? Yes, so a climate coach can be many different things and, and work with many different audiences. You know, it can be supporting activists in facing burnout. It can be supporting people with their emotional responses to climate change and uh, feeling helpless or stuck and not knowing what to do about it. It could be working with organizational leaders and in how to uh, shift their agenda to sustainability and, and equity and more climate focused um, initiatives. So really climate coaching is about helping people process the complexity uh, of the emotional responses uh, to related to climate change. So it, it helps validating those feelings. It helps grow resilience and, and really shifting mindset to help um, clients learn to live with anxiety and complexity and uncertainty that the climate change bring uh, the climate change is is bringing to the world so similar to, to to coaching in other areas it's really helping the client explore what their strengths are what's important to them finding the right skills um, the right topics even the right areas for them to take climate action if they're ready to to move in that direction and um, it's definitely not about telling them what to do. It's not about sharing facts or data or lobbying our uh, agendas our, as coaches. So it's a very uh, collaborative conversation where we make space for everything, for the complexity of the experience that is uh, related to facing climate change. And that touches so many areas um, as we've seen, yeah. Uh, do people tend to have kind of a generalized climate anxiety uh, based on, you know, what you hear in the news and so on, or does it seem to have to hit them first? Like I know, again, I mentioned in, in your area where I think the, the, was it the capital city that was underwater for, for quite a while? Um, or, you know, I, we, we had a major storm here last night if a tree falls down in your yard, does that tend to trigger it? Does climate anxiety tend to be general in, in nature or um, do people tend to be more fearful of something that, that, that they're maybe jarred into, into recognizing? Yes, it's such a good question, and it's not a, a short or easy answer because it's such a complex uh, problem, and it's something so new that we haven't really faced before. So we have, we can look in our history, we can look in the past to see how we've dealt with pandemics or wars or death or illness, but with climate anxiety or 
and I use that very loosely because there's so much more than anxiety related to the experience of facing climate change, there, there is no history to go back to in how we deal with this. So I think you mentioned it earlier. It's a, it's a fairly new term, even um, climate anxiety. It's now recognized by the American Psychological Association. Not that we want to make this a diagnosis or, or uh, pathology, but it, it helps normalizing the experience. So what, what we're finding is that it's, it is such a mix of, of reactions and responses from sadness, despair, hopelessness, shame, um, guilt, there's fear, there's anxiety. So there's so much into it. So climate despair may be a, a term that maybe is broader that covers it um, you know, a little more than, than the anxiety. And, um, and there's grief in that too. And if I, if, I may, I have a quote from the Climate Coaching Alliance that I think captures very well what that grief part is. Would it be okay if I read it? Sure. So climate grief differs from other forms of grief in that rather than one loss, we experience multiple losses, both past, current, and anticipated. Where the pain of a more traditional form of loss may lessen over time, climate grief may, may keep returning, ever sharp and differently textured with each new loss. If we can learn to grieve well, making space for it and knowing that it will not destroy us, we can accept grief as a familiar friend and that acceptance might allow us to experience a deeper connection to our world. If we can do that, then there is a gift in this time of sadness and anxiety. In surrendering to grief, we can connect to love. Very interesting and moving. Um, so is there a, uh, a really healthy response? I know some people are who are involved in the, the climate change area um, are doing it from the standpoint of advocacy or taking part in organizations, uh, things of this nature. Presumably they're not uh, experiencing any disabling form of anxiety, but rather using it kind of almost like the, uh, the climate change equivalent of post-traumatic growth. Are, there's, uh, are, are there a set of behaviors or principles that um, we, you can encourage people generally um, to, to do to help themselves uh, feel like they've got some control over what is uh, what sometimes seems like an overwhelming process. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and thankfully, the, the terms are getting more familiar. So climate anxiety, eco-grief. So we're starting to hear more and more about these responses. And there are new organizations like the Climate Coaching Alliance, the Climate Psychology Alliance. Um, there's a network called the Good Grief Network that specifically supports people with the grief related to climate change. There's a project Inside Out that is another resource. So there's lots and lots of organizations and initiatives that are being created, which is very encouraging. And I think what we're seeing is a real um, acknowledgement that 
we have to face this emotional response. So it's not about bypassing what we're experiencing and jumping into action, uh, whatever that action may be. So it goes much deeper than that. And like you said, it's a, it's a profound um, realization that we're losing the world the way it used to be, but we're also um, seeing a lot of suffering around the world. We're also anticipating some losses. So the lifestyles that we lead now are, are not sustainable. So that goes from losing small traditions, you know, from everything that's related to our diets, you know, for example, or, or some celebrations that are related to a certain types of food. So now we have to question everything. So there's just such a complexity about it. And there's a lot we can do, thankfully, to, to learn to adapt and live with climate change. And one example, I'm intentionally using the world, the words, learning to live with climate change because we hear a lot of messages about fighting the climate crisis. And as I mentioned earlier, I come from an appreciative inquiry and positive psychology background. So really strength-based approaches that encourage us to look at the language that we use even. So starting with shifting the language, shifting the words that we use to describe what's happening can really help shift our mindsets and our responses around it. So fighting the climate crisis makes it sound like we're looking for one solution to one temporary problem. But shifting to uh, learning to live with climate change is a much longer term and a much broader way to look at it, much more hopeful, <laughs> I, would, I would say, to remove that word crisis, even though, of course, it is an emergency. So in, in coaching, um, a lot of the tools relate to building self-compassion, uh, self-care tools, and talking about it, uh, learning to have conversations about it, conversations that are not necessarily rooted in conflict, but turning these conversations into collaboration, into really listening to one another, listening to different perspectives, uh, shifting from certainty to curiosity, from explanations. We hear a lot of facts and data, then we want answers. But if we learn to explore and, and build this ability to be with uncertainty, those are the skills that we're going to need to face a world that is constantly changing and a climate that is constantly changing. Um, there's also some shifts that we can make from very individualistic mindsets to more collaborative and systems mindsets. Um, so looking at a much broader picture may be very helpful rather than being so focused on individual action. Some other areas where that can be very helpful are really to and through self-awareness and through understanding what really works for us. So what skills do we have? What strengths do we have? And what do we really care about? So not every uh, climate action is, is appropriate for everyone or is a good match for everyone. So helping people find what they really connect with. Jane Goodall um, says that whatever you do, do it out of love, not out of guilt. And I find this statement really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. Just like I had this little light bulb moment when I realized that I felt confident as a coach and that was one of the skills that I could contribute to the climate uh, cause. So I didn't have to do um, to go out in the streets and protest. I could find what worked for me and that is very empowering. So I think people find a lot of resilience and agency 
and hope when they find that skill and that that topic, whether it's equity, whether it's education, whether it's um, you know the food industry, there are so many ways. Everything is so connected in our world. There are so many ways to do good even if it's not obviously related to climate. And I think that's an important realization for people. Um, in addition to realizing that even our small actions do make a difference. So starting small with appreciative inquiry, we always ask the question, what is the tiniest step that you can take in the direction you want to move to? And, and that tiny step leads to another one and another one and another one. So encouraging people to start small and to start with something that works for them is um, a, a great, great place to build resilience and to start getting uh, involved and facing what is uh, happening. Yeah, that's a lot of really important stuff uh, to just mention, including the, the notion that we're going to have to live with uncertainty for for quite a while. Um, the uh, there are several questions that brings to mind, one of which is just like so much of the rest of what's going on in the world, there's a lot of polarization around the issue of, of climate change. Um, how, uh, and I assume that some climate denial is just that, denial and, and uh, kind of a, a failure to, uh, to really look at it, but how do you uh, recommend having a discussion around this? It's not because, again, there's, you, there are a lot of people that are uh, dealing with the subject uh, convinced that, uh, that their view is correct. And since they're polar opposites, they probably, uh, the answer is probably not at either extreme, but uh, what's a good attitude for talking with people who have, either are denying or who just seem to, to not be knowledgeable about, about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm, um, the name Catherine Hayhoe comes to mind. She's a climate scientist and, and I would really recommend our, our listeners to, to check out her website and newsletter. And she, says that the main thing, the most important thing we can do about climate change is to talk about it. And she specifically, she has really great resources specific to what you're just talking about. So how do we have conversations when they are polarities, when we are at really opposite ends of the spectrum? And unfortunately, talking about climate has become um, automatically associated with conflict. And it's such a shame because if we can learn to have climate conversations that are hopeful, that bring people together and it's already happening in the world, it's just not what is in the spotlight, unfortunately. So just like I mentioned earlier that we can be intentional about the language that we use. We can be intentional about the news that we take in, about um, the conversations that we have, the people we associate with. And, rather than that spreading bad news, 
we can spread good news. We can share stories of incredible innovation that is happening, um, incredible uh, community resilience or flourishing habitats and species. There is so much um, that is happening in the world that is going well, and that can be a conversation starter. So that doesn't, it's not a quick and easy answer to bring everyone on the same page, of course, but I think it can really be a starting point. And that even um, when there is an extreme, um, you know, disagreement or different opposing views, finding the commonality, because we ultimately all do care about certain things. We're all human and there are some common uh, values that we share. So most likely, so not going at it as a as a teaching moment or as a convincing, with a convincing attitude. So not wanting to change someone else's mind, but really being curious and listening. Probably the best thing we can do in, is listen and really empathize with another person's position at, as a way to connect with them and moving forward from there. Yeah, I kind of felt that as a positive person, uh, that, that the positive psychology, part of it would come through through and uh, uh, that can be very helpful, I'm sure. Um, but when we talk about talking with people, um, made me think of another question. When, when I was growing up, uh, one of our fears were nuclear war, uh, which I guess is still a fear, but I guess we've learned to live with it so long that I guess that's living with uncertainty. Um, I am sure that a lot of young people uh, are growing up with kind of this uncertainty about what's what's going to happen uh, with the planet while they're still around. And you hear news stories about which cities are going to be underwater and which part of the country is going to break off and go away, or stuff like that. So I'm sure that there is... Uh, a lot of anxiety among at least certain youngsters. And I'm wondering as a parent, uh, how uh, do you have suggestions as to how to engage kids around this subject and to hopefully do some, some alleviating of uh, some of the anxiety? Yes, it's such a difficult, difficult topic. And so real, there is so much anxiety in young um, populations. And probably again, the best that we can do, and that's coming from various um, sources that I you know, listen to or, or get advice from is, is again to listen rather than taking an approach where we want to fix problems. We want to, we often want to take care of our, our kids. And if they are experiencing something difficult, we want to fix it. It's our, it's our instinct as parents. And maybe taking a step back and really being with them and listening with them, experiencing this with them. So maybe it's a time for us as parents to be vulnerable. Um, I even get emotional talking about it. <laughs> And I really think that there's value in taking a very a collaborative approach. So bringing children, of course, depending on the age, but bringing them into the conversation and listening to what they have to say and how do we face this together rather than fixing it for them or protecting them, keeping them sheltered from it. Um, 
that that would be one one starting point. That's terrific advice, uh, which brings me to the question of that that we actually started with. Uh, that's the whole issue of climate coaching. How do I know um, when my concerns are uh, at such a level that I really need to to get some coaching in this regard? I mean, we uh, everybody faces things like health issues, financial issues, things of this nature, and at some point we've learned to uh, that at some point that that. Uh, what we know ourselves may not be may not be adequate for a particular uh, crisis or whatever we may want to call it. And I'm just wondering who who get should get should is probably the wrong word, but who uh, uh, would benefit from from climate coaching? Uh, other than the fact that everybody, I'm sure, would, but. <laughs> I was going to say, of course, everyone could benefit because it is so new and, and we're experiencing it in such unique ways, depending on where we are in the world, depending on our, our age, our um, occupation. So there are so many angles to it. Um, and earlier you had mentioned that, so I live in Montpelier, Vermont, and we have a, had some major floods. So, so that has really shifted even my perspective. So before that, I was experiencing it and understanding it at an intellectual level. So learning about the facts or, of course, from a coaching perspective, the, the well-being and mental health aspect of it. And that is one way of um, learning or, or facing climate change. And then we had several weeks here in the Northeast, as I'm sure you've had with poor air quality because of the wildfires in Canada. So starting the summer with smoke in the air and literally breathing um, this poor air that uh, is directly related to, to fires and to the changing climate. And then these floods that came um, thankfully right to my doorstep. So I wasn't directly impacted, but the community has been, has had major, major damage. So that is a completely different way of relating to it, experiencing it at a much deeper level. So who benefits from coaching is really the whole spectrum from, again, being in a leadership position in an organization that needs to, or wants to shift its focus from uh, parents who are overwhelmed and, and want to learn how to manage their own despair or, or emotional response and how to be parents in this time, to uh, facing a major disaster and crisis and needing support. So there are various degrees. Um, I, I wouldn't, um, of course, I would make the distinction again coaching is not uh, psychotherapy so I think it's uh, it and there are emergency uh, resources for those who are in times of crisis so the more education the more awareness we can bring to these topics and to these resources out there hopefully people will start to see that there is a wide variety of options for them to get support so I would encourage everyone to even um, 
first normalize this experience of anxiety, despair, helplessness. So normalizing this experience and then finding the right resource for, for you, depending on your situation and your needs. So it would appear that kind of the outcome should be to be able to feel less helpless, less passive, uh, to be able to, you know, again, with, we can't, uh, we can't avoid some of the things that are happening, but to be able to feel that we're not, we're not helpless in this regard and that uh, we can approach it more actively than, than passively. Absolutely. And from everything I hear in my own experience, it's a messy process. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately it, it's not a topic and a, that we can approach with a goal in mind and take a linear approach, you know, meeting with a coach or finding a resource, reading a book, and then getting to that solution. It's, it's a process that does involve grief, does involve anxiety, fear for the long term, and, and a lot of uncertainty, a lot of complexity. So I would invite uh, everyone to have a lot of patience, a lot of self-compassion for their experiences as it, it does change day in and day out. It can change with the weather, it can change with the news, it can change with conversations um, that we're having with other people. So really welcoming the, the messiness as part of the process is also, um, a mindset that I invite uh, everyone to consider and normalizing that it is not a not a one-time solution that we're looking for, but really learning different skills to live with climate change. Well, I've really learned a lot from you, uh, Alex, and I'm sure that the listeners have too. Uh, but what I haven't learned is... Uh, how people get in touch with you? Uh, is your coaching something that's done in person? Is it done, uh, can it be done virtually? Uh, do you have to be in Vermont? Uh, and uh, what does it encompass in addition to, to, to climate? Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. So again, my um coaching business is Alma Coaching. You can find me at almacoaching.org. And so I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions and that can be done virtually. So a lot of coaching nowadays is uh, is virtual. So it can be done anywhere in the world, which again is a piece of positive news that I would want to share. There are so many resources available online. Um, and one-on-one um, -on -one coaching. Uh, like I said, I have a course available on my website to move from climate anxiety to inspired action. I can also be found on social media. Uh, my Facebook is Alma Coaching USA. And I encourage people to also um, look up the Taos Institute if they want to learn more about appreciative inquiry or relational uh, resources and practices. And that is um, about me and how people can find me. Okay, great. And that's Alma is A-L-M-A. Yes. And the Taos Institute is T-A-O-S. Yes. Um, do you remember the resource that you gave us, uh, the, the person uh, 
who you mentioned earlier, where are we going to have to look this up? Yeah, so Catherine Hayhoe, the last name is H-A-Y-H-O-E. Catherine Hayhoe, she's a climate scientist and um, her newsletter is a great resource. There's also the um, Climate Coaching Alliance, Climate Psychology Alliance, the Good Grief Network. So between all of these resources, I believe there's a, a fair amount that uh, our listeners can find, hopefully. Okay, which means, again, we don't have to be passive in response to what's happening in the world. We we can do what we can to control it and hopefully in the process alleviate some of the anxiety or depression there that that may be uh, associated with uh, with kind of too much despair and passivity when there are some things we can do and uh, really really appreciate you sharing this with us today Alex uh, really grateful for it uh, is there anything that I should have asked you but didn't or any uh, closing thoughts that uh, you think the listeners should be aware of I really appreciate the opportunity and I really hope that uh, our listeners will feel validated in their experience and and maybe encouraged to look for resources um, and to to reduce that overwhelm just a little bit to get started wherever they're at. So really find something that works for you uh, wherever you're at. There is no right and wrong uh, way to process this. Uh, and if anything, um, I would also encourage our listeners to really not do this alone, uh, really finding community, having conversations, uh, finding people who are supportive and, and can be on the journey together. And uh, very happy to have brought what for many people, I'm sure, is a new a new bit of knowledge about the field of, of climate coaching and the fact that among the resources available are people like you who can help with, with the coaching process and um, help people to be comfortable with the uncertainty that uh, probably mm -hmm. going to be with us for a while. And, I, like that, <laughs> and on that note, uh, this brings to an end uh, another episode of Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Really grateful to our guest, Alexandra Arnold, for sharing her wisdom and knowledge about climate change and uh, educating us about a whole new field uh, that can provide help to others uh, as well as ourselves and help to keep the discussion going to make this world a better place and be able to, despite what's going on climate-wise, to continue to live our lives with enthusiasm and continue to work toward uh, becoming better versions of ourselves for a long time to come. And uh, hope you uh, listeners will all tell others about this, this episode. I hope that you'll download the podcast, rate it, review it, and be back next week for another uh, key episode of uh, Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, another guests that will help us lead our lives with enthusiasm and become better versions of ourselves. And until then, everybody take care, have a good week, stay positive and stay safe. And we'll see you next time.